0: Hi, this is Derek Hart, founder and chairman of CSE and the host of the CSE podcast show. I have another great guest today in my series of leader interviews for OT or control system cybersecurity. And today I have Willie Nelson, the field CISO of operational technology for Fortinet. Fortinet is our longest, one of our longest standing, uh, uh, partners. So thank you to, to, uh, Fortinet for that. Uh, if you don't know Willie and you're going to know him after this interview, he is a technologist, he's a military veteran. He is a father. He's a husband. He is also a woodworker and a beekeeper and an outdoorsman. And he's into fishing and metal art and hunting and cycling. So a lot of really interesting hobbies. We talked about beekeeping earlier, which I had at least some exposure to when I was a kid. That's cool, very cool, and very necessary with the, with the bee colony collapse. I may ask. Absolutely. You about so you know, again, thank you to Fortnite for their many, many years of support when we were just an idea and nothing like where we are today. And thank you for all you've done the industry. And we're going to sort of unpack that together. And for be willing to come on the show.
1: Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: So I always joke that um, security people are modern-day superheroes, and all superheroes have a backstory. So where uh, where did where did your backstory start? Where are you from?
1: You want me where do, Where would you like for me to start? Where are you from? All right. So I, I grew up and lived in Lebanon, Missouri, but I was an army brat. So after my dad got out of the service, uh, this is in the late '70s, and you know, and, and whatnot. Um, he's been Vietnam veteran era, right? Moved back to his hometown, Lebanon, Missouri. Uh, my mom is from that area as well, and uh, so I went with the high school. And from there, three days later, three days after graduation, I left for the army myself.
0: Yeah, so army, um, reading family, I didn't realize until yeah. just now your your uh, your dad was. Did you move around a lot uh, as a youth?
1: Yeah, yeah, we we had uh, you know at that point in time in the service, you you moved every couple of years. I lived in i lived in germany four years as a as a, as a child i actually got stationed in germany as, as as an adult as well so i've spent a total of seven years in in germany Wiesbaden and ansbach yeah and it's a great great way to see the world uh for me it was it's that it was that or learn how to weld and uh you know as a boat plant because that's kind of what the town did
0: well thank and you And i wanted your... to do
1: something else yes absolutely
0: you were an apache uh helicopter crew chief we had <laughs> on my ship uh, was, you know, and I know we're some similar systems. Yeah. Pretty impressive uh, uh, airframes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, so when as I was going in, I was one of the first uh, units uh, with the Apache, the Cobra was being deprecated. And uh, so I actually my my Apache helicopter that, that 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 came to me was straight from Mesa and had around ten hours on it at that point in time. Uh, so I got a brand new toolbox that still had everything still in, in plastic. And a, and a machine that was, uh, that, was, that was brand new, you're 18 years old, and they give you an $18 million helicopter and two pilots to be responsible for. It's a, it, it, immediately you have to grow up.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can relate to my first <laughs> years in the military. like, wow, what, what am I supposed to be responsible for here? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Think or swim, right? And my, my dad said yeah. always never buy a new car, because as soon as you drive off the lot, it depreciates like crazy. Now, you got a brand <laughs> new factory. Did that same rule apply? Yeah,
1: no, I don't, I don't think it did. No one, no one gave me that speech for sure, uh, but I was, I was very proud of it. I was very proud of what I got to do. I was, and and also very, very lucky. I ended up being in my unit. I was in a uh, cohort unit, so we we built the unit from from kind of the ground up, and we all stayed together, right? And I was in the air cav, so Bravo troop five six cav, and uh, so I was in uh, as the Bravo troop. I I was the uh, lead mechanic for my aircraft, obviously. But that was also the test pilots' aircraft and the uh, our captains and our commanders. So I was I was uh, uh, attention to detail had always been something I was very good at. So, so it, it kind of
0: where technology intersects with my guests' lives. And clearly, those are amazingly you know technical uh, machinery. That certainly, if nothing else, begins it. Did you have any any interest in in computers or coding or technology prior to your military mm-hmm. years? yeah
1: so i you know we had tandy 1000s in the in the library three yeah. of them and me and three other guys were the only ones that go in the library and, and, and find them Messing, those three all end up in the navy and end up in the army but uh, yeah i i didn't know a lot about it i i really like you know tinkering around with it playing with it uh what's interesting about when i look back at my military service the one thing that it it really taught me that still continues to translate today is resiliency so the, the Apache, two of everything, and it can fly on one, you know, has two engines, can fly on one engine, has two transmissions, can fly on, fly on you know, all those sorts of things. And so when you think about, you know, one of the most important things to, to do in, in our in our world, make sure we're resilient in, in a, from a cyber perspective. And that have taken me all the way back to, you know, you're 18 years old and you don't know it at the time that that theme is going to follow you the rest of your career.
0: Yeah, that's a great analogy. No single point of failure, right? Yeah, yeah, except the crew chief, and you know, you're young and dumb. <laughs> no points of failure is possible. Um, right, right. So talk about this. So yeah, you you um you served, and then what? What you know when you got to? Or you know, yeah. like, we have veterans who are, or people who haven't yet yet left, or recently left. You know, that decision make matrix of like, you know, getting out or staying in. What was what did that look like for you?
1: Oh man is that a question that's a loaded question so for me, I really liked the job. I really loved the people that I worked with. I had a mouth on me and i was i was kind of the bureaucracy i i struggled with um and it wasn't that i didn't i struggled with the leadership i struggled with with the lack of a better the the twenty year twenty year um e five the individual who 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 really couldn't do something else and they they stayed in the military and I wanted more, right? Uh, and I didn't want to be that 20 year veteran that there are 20 year uh, E5. So for me, it was I, I wanted to see what else I could do. I had the GI Bill. So I wanted to go, you know, go to college. And it's funny, because as, as I was leaving, I remember, uh, so I was stationed in Wiesbaden, Germany, Wiesbaden Air Base. As you're walking out of the barracks, it's during PT. Everybody's there doing PT, you're in your dress greens. They're all slapping you on the back and everything. And I had one. I had an E6. shake my hand. Said, "We'll see you in six months." Because typically, they you just come back. You didn't know what to do on the outside. You did, you know, because that's not. You have been formed and molded to be this warrior and to be this, you know, this person. It doesn't translate to the outside a lot of times. So I, I was like, I, I pointed at him. And said, "You're not going to see me." I wanted more, right? So I went, got out, <laughs> um, immediately started college. I was going to be a drafter. I was going to I was going to work on my drafting degree, go into architecture. I really like drawing. I can still really draw pretty well. I have zero architectural ability. <laughs> Everything turns out to be a square building. So I just I can't do it. But it translated really well. When when I when I when I graduated my associates, it translated real well with the, the phone company. Uh, they needed somebody to you know, the, the, I worked for a contractor who um, needed somebody to uh, draw the the existing facilities and then start working into the the outside plant engineering side of the house. I literally took uh, the last exchange in Missouri from party line. I I moved it over to a single party. Uh, So it was something that, that, you know, I don't know if if it's much of a tick on your resume or if it's a feather in your cap, but it was something not everybody gets to say, but the, the mechanics of just drawing all that out you know, making sure that you you had you, you you had the you didn't have too much degradation at the end of the line. You know, if you need repeaters, et cetera, you put that in there. And start start more of that engineering side of the house. And I really enjoyed it. At the office, we we needed somebody to, to uh, learn computers. We we had a, a, a bid with GTE to do a microstation. Had I because I was on I was because I was a, a CAD or an architect student. I knew AutoCAD, so I had to teach myself microstation, you know, it's, it's, it's similar, in the sense of like, the, the commands are different. But you know, I, I need to know how, how to do this, you know, it, it, it I like it to a little bit like uh, your first time, if you, if you started on Linux, having to set in a Micro on Windows, or if you're starting Windows, having to sit down on command prompt in Linux, you know, it's there. But how do I get that? slash, you know, question mark, and figure out that help, you know, how do I cap this real quick, so I can, you know, the, the man, uh, files and, and figure out what how to do this this particular task. Started writing Lisp programs, that makes it easier within uh, AutoCAD and MicroStation. And that's kind of what got me into computers. So from if if you take that moment in time, my boss was he was very encouraging to say you know hey you you uh, you're doing a great job here. You should look at college, right? Go back. Uh, at the time, my wife now. If, 27 years, she we were dating, and she had just finished her master's degree in education. And I was like, if she can do it and still teach, have all that time, surely I can go back to college. So, I went back at 27 years old and started, I wanted to, I, I, was, I started down the path of computer science, physics, and math minor. And then I realized that that's an awful lot of load for uh, a guy who's got a full-time job, a mortgage, and everything else that goes with it. A few years into it, I switched into CIS right before I actually transferred to Rockhurst. And Rockhurst was actually a, uh, I was very fortunate. I went to Missouri State University, was SMS at the time, uh, in Springfield, Missouri, uh, got an internship, Sprint. And uh, I think like I was telling you earlier, so my GI Bill was running out. And I told my wife when I went up for that internship, that I'm going to work for me for, for a full time job. Because I knew by looking at the website and all the benefits that they pay for college. If, if I could do this, the for me. Okay. So I went up there, and my first week, I asked my boss, and I was doing the install, move, add, change. So I'm just a, I'm a. At this point, I'm 30 years old. I'm, ha- I'm hauling all, all these CR and we were a, a phone company. So you have like you also have the design department. So you have the 24-inch CRTs, right? They're that are just massive. And so I'm just that was my job. And I, I went in first week and said. Are you uh, good with me um, working overtime? Said, yeah, yeah, sure. It's like, no, 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 sure you're comfortable with it because I'm gonna work over. And uh, he said, yeah, sure. So I worked 80 hours a week, and those 80 hours a week turned into, uh, hey, my last week of uh, week there is like, would you be willing to to finish your college career here and and move from Springfield, Missouri to Kansas City, Missouri, and and work full time at at Sprint Publishing and Advertising, and we'll pay for your college. So it, it worked out uh, well for me.
0: Which I'm assuming, yeah, that's what you did. Then I'm assuming, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I took took the job, transferred to Rockhurst University. Actually, I, I guess I originally transferred to UMKC for one semester. It was all online. This was like one of those. I I wanted the interaction with with the students. I you know yeah. just from from a learning perspective. Right. Uh, when you're when you're 30 years old going to college versus 17 and going 18, 19 going to college. I I'm there i I'm there to learn, and I'm not there to teach myself, which is what I was feeling like the online was doing for me, right? Yeah. So yeah. I switched to Rockhurst, which is what I really wanted to do anyhow, and got in. It was it was great for me enough so that I rockers a Jesuit university. If you're not familiar with them, um, I'm so fond of that that program of the Jesuit program that I've encouraged. I've got a senior in high school. My daughter's getting ready to go to SLU. St. Louis University, which is a which is a Jesuit university. Yeah. So uh, it's something we we, we kind of like. It's all about education. So get as much as you possibly can out of it.
0: No, I think that's you know great great advice uh, also there. And 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 I think back on your point of sort of your, your your work ethic, I'm assuming that opened a lot of doors. I think you just went in saying I'm am I'm, I'm going to do overtime. <laughs> I'm really going to do overtime. Right. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. No, I I always felt that. Uh, if I if I can't win with the smarts, I'll win with I'll win with my back. I'll I'll outwork you. And that's and I've always been a learner. I like to learn. We all make mistakes in our career, whether it is, you know, on a day or it's, you know, took the wrong job or whatever it happens to be, but do you learn from it? And for me, I've got a stack of books I'm reading. I between books and mentors and online, you know, research, uh, I, I try to always soak in as much as I possibly can. And, it, and it's something that's always been part of who I am. So when I am in that young portion of my career, working my butt off, I, I was very fortunate because at, at Sprint Publishing, we were a small company, small department, right? So we're, a uh, it's a thousand employees, a part of Sprint, it's a phone book. We had about 50 people in the IT shop, right? There was one guy who did this, did security. He wrote the policies, that sort of thing. And, uh, Chuck Fletcher, and so I, I hung out with him. I really enjoyed it, what his knowledge. He was our Google before Google. You could say, "Hey Chuck, why does this outlet have a line? You know, a, a dash on the side of it? You know, whatever." Say, "Well, that's a 15, you know, amp or whatever it is." And you know, he, he, that's just what he how he was. 125, I think, is what it is, right? He just knew it all. He just he 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 was, and and I liked that consumption. Yeah. But it was also when you you spend those time with those folks. And then I also like, you know, would volunteer on the weekends and, and at night to uh, go full cable with the other teams, you know, to, to learn more. The more I could learn, the the, the better I uh, I could be.
0: So the college, the, the degree that you found, that final result of that story arc, you get this technology degree. Yeah. What did that mean when you went back to work and then the subsequent, the subsequent positions?
1: So when I see when I graduated and, Kind of inter- interesting. So you, when you're that at this point in time, it's what 2002. I'm I'm sitting around the 31, 32 year old college graduate, and you're kind of more emotional than you should be. He's like, man, I finally did it, right? Um, yeah. And then I well, we well, went well, through I'm a sale.
0: Willie, for a moment, because there are yeah. maybe people listening who have maybe not made that leap yet. You know, some of our younger listeners. And yeah. the concept of it's too late. You 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 said you put a kibosh to that. Never. But,
1: no, what I found was so when and so a, a friend of mine that, that, that I was in college with that was also he was a little bit older to me, and we'd have these conversations, right So you know you're sitting around the table drinking a beer going, "How are we going to compete with these young kids?" And what I found was it's the work ethic that is where you compete, because some of these when you're in that age, you know the kids are they're, they're smart and they're good, but they also like, you know hey, I'm going to see the world, right I've seen the world." So now I can, you know, I can catch up and I can kind of leapfrog through the work ethic. Um, and, and that sure for me was the piece. There,
0: you're not talking about Gen X, Gen Y, Gen Z. You're about the generation many, many years ago because you're talking about when right. you were younger. It's true that that may be true then of any young generation. Yeah, you know, I think so. That, that that a person that says, I'm just going to outwork lifelong learning. That's the other thing, the theme that you've shared that I think is uh, other speakers, other guests of the show talked about just thirst for knowledge know, bringing in the new material. Yeah. And work ethic, and that those two things are powerful, and that they withstand mistakes, they withstand uh, uh, career changes, job changes. Right. Those things all happen, but if those two elements are true, my belief yeah. in listening to lots of you, and my own lifelong reading of lots of people's stories, and that those two are very, very powerful elements for anybody.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. I would add one thing to it though. Okay. And that's uh, the the humility of of when you do screw up. Hey, it was me. You know, uh, one thing I, I found real early was if you can stand up, and say, "I screwed this one up, but I'll fix it." Whatever X is, it's huge. And I don't care age, whether you're 70 years old still in the workforce or you're 17 in the workforce. If you can do that, then I mean that's and, and as a leader, that's what I you know that's one of the things I look for now is you know when I when I do my own recruiting, is the integrity of saying you know I'm you know I'm not perfect but if you'll let me continue to try to be better then then i'll fix whatever it was that that didn't turn out right and i'll keep going yeah.
0: and that's a tough one for some people uh that that's a, a more deeper in the wiring right of how one's raised yeah. and all the other but but it is something someone can choose to do more of but but that's a big one yeah taking personal responsibility not always easy i can look back on my over, over my life <laughs> that's a theme you know i think that i got from my parents and and uh, my military time and scouts before that, but it's still yeah. it's hard to apply. But yeah, those are big, powerful themes there. Yeah, so lifelong learning, constantly absorbing new information, um, work ethic, just outworking uh, other folks, and then yeah, taking personal responsibility. Yeah, that you put those three together and there's sort of unlimited possibilities for the future.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and, and I don't think it stops because you're older either, right? It, it didn't even stop me when I was 30 as an as an intern. And it didn't stop me now right so it's uh you, you're constantly put in especially in technology we're, we're put in situations quite often something puts in front of you and say hey here's a situation do you know how to do it say like, you know i don't but i've got a whole bunch of transferable skills i'm gonna lean on and see what see what i get pull off of and then sometimes it's a phone call right it's a it's a it's your own network you know hey derek do you know x y and z have you run into that i don't but let me ask somebody else and you use your network
0: that reminds me of a, a navy thing i, I suspect you, you you may say same in the army and it was a don't tell whoever superiors is asking a question don't make up an answer say i do not know but i will find out sir just Wait. yeah <laughs> right because yeah. you, you do know it when you don't that is not good
1: <laughs> right and and the thing is is if if you're thinking of it as a leader Right. So if you if you came to me and said, I don't know, but I'll find out when you come back to it and you tell me, that hey, this is what I found. I know at this point in time, you really know it because you've had you've had to go dig deep, whether make phone calls or just, you know, the skin of your own teeth to figure out how to do whatever that happened task is. And so I know as a leader that you've one you've got the grit to to go and do that. You've got the integrity to know that, that to be able to say, I don't know everything, but I'll I'll figure it out. And then you come back and follow up. Well, so and that's kind say, of the, the way I've...
0: No, saying, yeah, I I, I
1: say that's, that's probably the one thing that, that that I would add to all that is just to follow up, right? Is, you know, you've, you've got to have, you you got to have the, the guts to be able to say, I don't know it. But then you have to go back and say, hey, Derek, I found it. And here it is. Here's my answers and and, and move forward. As opposed to you don't want somebody to come back to say, hey, did you get that? Did you figure that out? Because it's sitting on my desk for three weeks and I haven't heard from you. Right. And we all forget sometimes, but that should be your mantra.
0: <laughs> yeah. So let's take that that framework of those early years and, yeah. and sort of early um pieces of you know to so your personal framework. What were the next things that you started, you know, pacing through between now and being, you know, at Fortinet um, yeah. as a for OT? What what are the steps between there? You know, what were those? And and where does where does cybersecurity intersect and where does OT intersect?
1: Right, right. So See from from there, I started working at a at, at a at a at a company in in Kansas City that um <laughs> it was it was famous for eighty hour weeks, right? You worked you worked eighty hour weeks, you worked your way up up up, and at one one point in time we have we have a kid, right? So now now we're a small family, and this is the we had just recently transitioned off of pagers. Right. So we, we've got we've got a cell phone. I've got a cell phone on my hip. Uh, I am working. I'm going to work at three, four o'clock in the morning. And then I'm picking my daughter up at four o'clock in the afternoon. And I I let her play for a little bit. And I go back to work. Right. I eat lunch, dinner with with the family and I'm back to work. So that's just kind of what you're you're churning through. My pager goes off my phone. Right. And my wife goes, is your daughter going to spend the rest of her life competing with your pager? And I was like, crap. I can't be that guy, right? So we moved back home. And actually, that, that, at the table, I said, let's just move back home. We're closer to family. We'll reset. So, reset uh, back into uh, moving back to the uh, Southwest Missouri area, right? And that's where really, up until then, I was tinkering with security and in, in different pieces. But then I took it at, you know, I took a, a lead engineer role. Um, still at the keyboard, but I'm managing firewalls, IPS's, um, policies. I, I did the, uh, uh, what was it, the SAS 70 stuff back in the day before them, you know. So, I am now making myself into the security professional, and, and that's where I, I saw myself wanting to go. I, I wanted the ability to have kind of the, um, that same sense of mission that we had in the, in the military to be also part of my, part of my job, right? So there was, you know, cause you, yeah, you've got it. You keep email up, but it's email, who cares? You know, you know so I, I wanted, I wanted something more, you know so it's something more like from a, you know, you're, you're protecting the, the company, the I, company's brand, speak, the
0: I, IP. Other guests and especially former military, it's like, I wanted that sense of mission. That, you know, I, I, I think there's, there's truth to that. And certainly a lot of yeah. people feel that way if that's their context you know, something greater than you know not saying that some stuff's not important for companies to, to keep functioning but there's something greater right. about about this area yeah
1: yeah and from from there i did several years there um and we were we were in a weird situation there were some uh opportunities opportunities is not probably the right word we were having some budget issues the company was um, and uh so there was the ability to say hey we're gonna have to like start letting maybe the higher paid folks go. I had already talked, did some work on this, through the company I worked for, I did some work with Symantec. We, we had kind of a joint thing. And the time was the SE, he was he was my architect and he became the SEM. And I talked to him and said, hey, is there a way I could come work for you? So I was able to actually, I wouldn't say it, because of that, we saved jobs in the security organization, but no one had to get let go, right? it was good timing. So I actually and that's where I actually started seeing the, uh, the effects of OT. So this would have been 2012, maybe the customers I had, and you know, when you're when you're covering Oklahoma, there's a lot of OT in Oklahoma, right? And uh, covering uh, Northwest Arkansas. Um, So when you're doing those, there's there's a ton of companies in these areas that that are running OT. And so you're really starting to, to see some in some a different part of the world you hadn't seen yet. Found it very interesting. Um and, and kind of start digging into those those aspects of things. End up, you know, in, you know, kind of fast forward a few years into into my career, I had an opportunity to come work for I had three three customers uh of mine offering me roles. Uh and so I thought well oh, I must be doing something right in this role. And ended up over at, in financials of all places for a while. Had the opportunity to uh, uh, to, to really step into leadership there, uh, and that's where I took the you know you, you kind of I'm that deputy role of dealing with the you, you you know the we went through this exercise of having to do with the auditors every six months. You had to go through you know your, your auditors. You, you had more of the soft skills. If you will, I guess that's, that's where I'm trying to get at. And so you've you've had a I've had a hard skills type of career. Now it's working really on those soft skills and and uh, the applying all those leadership strategies that, that you've seen others apply and, and try to be try to be the best you possibly can be. And then I had another and that's brought me back to from that exercise. It uh, brought me back into to the OT space and and into security or more into the practical type side of security. Um, and that was, uh, I got recruited by Chris Radmer, who was, uh, who was one of my customers at one time when he was at Walmart, he went over to GSK and he said, Hey, I want you to do something different here. And that's what we did. We, we wanted to do something different than what they'd done anywhere else in the pharmaceutical space to come in, learn their program, learn everything about it. But I want you to build something in a different location. So, typically a lot of in the US, there's a lot of farm on the East Coast. And then when you have that you tend to you can trade technology, you can trade people and you can trade ideas. But you're still doing a lot of the same stuff. We want to do something completely different. Let's, 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 uh, let's learn the business and, and build it from scratch. And so I ran the the operational technology team at uh, at, at GSK uh, globally. And we built it that, all here, here in Arkansas.
0: You am know, most curious about architecture, which is obviously in in, in organizational architecture in this area, sort of in, in in change in a lot of places. Was that a was that a um, dedicated team or cross-functional? You know,
1: with my, <laughs> yeah. you, know it, it, you you start things. thinking it's going to be dedicated, but it's never going to be dedicated. It can't yeah. be dedicated, right? It's got to be cross-functional, and 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 that's and I say that just humbly because. At the, at, out the gate, you're thinking, all right, well, I'm going to put my arms around it. You can't put your arms around this machine. It is massive. And not only is it massive, it is in a hundred and some odd countries. And then, then you go, well, how? so one of the guys that I, I brought with me that uh, he had worked previously at Farm and he'll listen to this and he'll, he'll laugh because when I went and talked to him, say, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And he, and he goes, let me ask you a question. Said, how many manufacturing plants you got? I was like ah, i don't 80 and then next time i see him he's like all right so now they said it's 120. he's like, oh no now it's not you know cause it's all dependent on whoever's view are we going to include supply chain are we going to you know and he and he just couldn't be in a joke it's, you you can't get your arms around it you you can't tell me how many sites you've got right and what who who sees what gsk is a um it's kind of more of um he's a CISO now, he, he had coined it to me said, you know, it sounded like a holding company. Right? Because you had, you had the pharma, and you had the, you had the vaccines, and you had R&D, and you had what we call rep, which is basically facilities. And you had, they own Viv, which is a, um, an, an, like a HIV, HIV company, they own part of 23andMe, and you know, so it's it's like, it's just more like a holding company. How do you get your arms shine that? So you, you know, and, and for me, that's where I apply a lot of what I do today is like, it's, it's, what do you know? What do you have? Right? It's that question that, that, that uh, Torben had asked me, how many sites you got? You know, cause if you don't know, you can't do anything with it, right? So you have to, you start off with that inventory and you start being very methodical. And that's, that's one of the things that I really liked about OT is how methodical it is. Um, I, I was at, uh, the, the ARC conference a couple weeks ago, right? And I was talking to the uh, the ISA folks and we were talking about cloud.
0: Oh, ARC web down in Florida. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, five years ago, if we had said cloud and OT, somebody would have spit on the ground.
0: Said, you can't yeah. do it, no way,
1: right? Uh, you'd be that old curmudgeon,
0: no way. It's different now, know, right? I think really, uh, oh. with that, you know, with that attitude, versus like oh the genie's out of the bottle how do we do this right
1: <laughs> but but i think but i like i told them it's like, but i think ot will get it right and i say that because in i.t we tend to go you wake up one day you come to work and somebody's somebody's made a decision we're all in on the cloud do you know what that means we're all in don't worry about it you know how costly it is don't worry, just just do it in ot we said like, hang on a second Well, you can do this and this, but you can't do these. You have to be so much more methodical Mm -hmm. and you have to have so much more buy-in from the business and everything. And so that's where, like, for me, for my deputy days of, and then into coming back into, you know, coming into the OT space, I, I, there's influence and there's, and there's mandate. You can be one of those two type of leaders. A lot of times I, I like the influence side, because I can't do anything if I'm, I I can mandate you all day long, and you'll be like, yeah, whatever. But if I can influence you so much, I mean, we 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 can 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 tackle the world. And that's kind of the way I've kind of kind of built my career. A lot of times was 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 I look back now is through influence. And and I say that in the sense of like whether it was trying to sell an idea, whether it was trying to work harder, I can influence you because I'll work work harder to 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 get my idea across or whatever it is, but, but mandating doesn't work. And and you have to have the mandates from the government and those sorts of things. We always have to have that. But internally as a company, I think it, if we can influence, we can get so much further along. And that's kind of where, where I've taken it, you know, to now um, in affording in the, in the is I, I now have an opportunity uh, to, to influence instead of just one company and one strategy and, and one idea, now I can help Lots of companies with with vast years of career of, of doing lots of different things, and I can influence them in, in their path, in their journey.
0: Yeah. So talk and about what the for operational technology means um, in the context right. of your current work. I think that's you know, some people might want to know that. And yeah, and fun to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And, and 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 it's a
1: for me, it's a hard thing to define. Right. It was hard from the from the very beginning. Um, but it, I, I come back to it, it's it's like what I was just saying, right? So it's it's around it's around influence, right? So there's we have a product set. I'm not a product guy, you know. I I'm, I'm not here to sell you a product or sell you an idea. I'm here to help you with your strategies you have today. Is there something we we can plug in? And I can put you in touch with somebody. But in but really to influence you on your journey down security and you know connect dots with you. So there's there's how many times in as you talk to somebody in ICS or OT, right? That you know you sit down and go, I just don't know where to start. Oh, sure. Right? It's oh. it's so massive, right? And yeah. I've been there. I I've I've had that you know those those sleepless nights and those long weekends and you're just I'm just trying to get my arms around the site. How many sites do I have? You yeah, go, you know if I think, but... <laughs> where is yeah. all
0: the stuff? Not even the next level. What is all the stuff? Where is all the stuff? Right. Where?
1: Yeah, so it's it's that right there. So to me, that's that's what I, I can't speak to the other field CISOs. What I, you know, as far as it, we have we have like eight eight to ten of us. My role, the way I see it, is is the enablement of the of the sales team when it comes to like helping them break down doors, but also coming back and, and backing them up when they get in those situations where like, hey, we need to have a more of a strategy conversation about where do we start. What did you do in your role? What did you do back in back in this in this situation? Um, and then connecting dots, because you as you know, like, well, I don't know the answer, but I have a I have a huge network. Let me make a phone call for you, and see if we can get some other, other ideas in here. Um, so love, kind of a, an idea
0: man. I love your 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 concept, which is sort of a ray of hope, which is that some things, some greenfield things, I guess you know, OT is doing some stuff for the first time, could possibly have some advantages on how they go about doing it oh yeah um, i think that's pretty interesting what 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 are the the things you see you know you can easily look at the space and we can pick things apart negative you know problems challenges say that's a weakness sure. that's a weakness that's a weakness I mean, there's lots everywhere you look but there you know it's it's a it's progress being made i'm an optimist by right. nature and i think um i've been in cybersecurity a long time and ot now for about i don't know 12 years of exposure to this industry and it's a barometer and it's it's rising and there's progress being made <laughs> right so we can focus on what's still there's still holes that are you know not yet full but what are you optimistic about what other things besides the fact that maybe we can go about doing it right what other things are you optimistic about that are that are working out or are around just around the corner that you see you know that are going to happen
1: yeah i think it's the I, at the beginning of this and i'm gonna say around 2017 right board started paying attention it's like oh crap not, not as optimistic about it. Like I really like being behind the shadows. Not really, that you know, not really seeing the uh, the light of day. But, but that today, today, that makes me optimistic because we are our boards are educated. You know, our 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 boards are asking good questions, and we as security professionals, OT professionals, we need them to ask those questions. We need them to know that you know there there is a There's a limit to what we can do. And I'll I'll come back to staffing, right? It is hard to find security professionals. It's even harder to find an OT security professional, right? So talk about a purple unicorn. Holy moly. That's
0: the term that's now bubbling up. I've used it because I heard it on one of my interviews, 80 interviews ago, and he's like, tough. I use the word unicorn. He's like, well, that's, those are tough. Purple unicorns are very hard. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly.
1: And that's your OT security uh, professional, right? And yeah. so you've got to do with what you have, you use what you have. And that, And I think have, for me, what's positive is the board knows that the board is behind us and, and they're helping you. And, and whether it is, hey, let's, let's, we may not be able to throw more money towards more people, but let's throw some more money towards education of your people. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my favorite LinkedIn videos. You're talking about yeah, development. internal development. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, memes, I guess, would be uh, uh, on LinkedIn. This is the CFO, CEO, and in the in the elevator, and the CFO goes, uh, "Man, what if you what if you spend all that money on those people and, and train them, and they leave?" And he goes, "What if we don't train them and they stay?" Right. <laughs> that's kind of where we've been, right? Um, because that's that's we've got to make that. That chip. And sometimes it is just invested in the people that we have. We can't go out and find all D1 players. They're expensive. <laughs> they're expensive. A lot of times they're high maintenance. They like to be the just think about it like you're your top performers, right? Um, you, you can't it's a whole team of top performers because you, you have contention. One or two top performers that can help the others that want to be top performers. You mm-hmm. can mid model. And, and everybody goes together. And I think that, you know, for me, that's that's part of also what's hopeful is that we have OT people that are wanting to learn security. And I've I got security people want to learn OT. Again, five years ago, you said to OT, everybody was like, what's OT? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, you know, it's an ICS. Oh, yeah. Is that why do we need security there? It's a different world now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's true. There is a greater and greater greater awareness. I mean, everything you sort of touched on, I think I've also seen pieces of that bubbling up uh, over the last, like you said, five years. It's been pretty, pretty dramatic. I think in 2010, 11, I was uh, very close with people who had already been in this space for some years, and they predicted that sort of this awakening would be happening back in 2012, 13, 14, and it didn't. It took some more incidents and some more exposure and right. a variety of things but it does seem to be like that, that that's that is changing and um, yeah and
1: unfortunately like, you're right it took incidents
0: yeah i mean it, sometimes you know it's not like you wish and hope for those right. but they're they're informative right they're, they're educational yeah. and in, and of, in and of themselves
1: right absolutely and, and if you actually go back to like from an educational perspective just a learning yeah. learn from those you know as, as you know it's as you're building up your organization. You, where do I start? Well, let's look at what everybody else is. Has, where there've been mistakes, and make sure I don't make those. At least, right? You're uh, all going to make our own mistakes, but if I cannot have to make yours too, why not?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think um, as we're of winding up, I think the theme that you ended up on there is a really important one uh, because that's a huge question all the time. Where do I? Where do I find people from? And the truth is, you find them from lots of places versus one particular kind of funnel. Like I'm going to take people that are right. steeped in OT knowledge and add some cyber. That seems to be a favorite definition by many hiring leaders, that they wish that that was the formula, that they really understand safety, reliability, resiliency, and will add the cyber. But with the amount of holes that we have, I'm an advocate for, well, sure, if you can find your ideal candidate, I mean, go right ahead. If you can't, then you find it somewhere <laughs> else. So you're talking right. about um, sort of the cyber people saying, hey, I want to learn some OT. So do you have any advice? I think this might be sort of impactful for either camp, somebody who's, very steeped in operational technology and engineering background, maybe and doesn't know cyber at all. Or if you want somebody with cyber background that doesn't have any knowledge of control systems and OT, any advice for them? Because clearly the, the unicorns are talking about the purple unicorns. They're cross-discipline unicorns. That's what makes them right. rare. They have a fundamental understanding or maybe even expertise, really rare in multiple domains.
1: Yeah, I, I guess uh, don't hold anything too sacred, right? Don't. Don't uh, and I mean that the sense of like don't be afraid to step across the aisle and, and and whether it's OT to cyber and cyber to OT, and then roll your roll your sleeves up, right? And so I think we have so much to learn from from both sides. You know, the the thing I, I really liked about working with the OT folks, we had you know, just some phenomenal folks. They're they're highly skilled, highly educated, and 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 they they really know their environment, and then and then you, and they they seem to learn very very quickly. So you can put you can you can put situations in there in front of them, or you don't have to. They're they're coming to you saying, "Hey, are you aware of this?" Right? Uh, it's like great. And then trying to find a few of those and say, "Now I want I need to make you a, a, a leader of those that aren't quite as energetic or ready to to reach out." And I think you almost have to do that like this, right? So I need to take that that OT person that is just like, that really is is getting after it and learning cyber very, very quickly, and and but really knows the OT and put them in charge of like an, a security team and do the same. I have a security professional and put them over here in the OT team and say, I want you to go in. I want you to hat in hand, be humble, know that these individuals know their job regardless of which side you're on and learn from them. And then you kind of almost, it's that, OJT on-the-job training, right? So, but cross-pollinate these teams, and I think that's going to be what's going to what's going to happen, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. We, we, you know, listeners couldn't see you crossing your arms a number of times, but that imagery, right, right. Uh, cross-pollination, is exactly right. And, right. Uh, and and learning, I love I love that setup. You know, going in with humility and and, and learning, uh, you know, each each of these constituents has some really interesting pieces to bring to the table.
1: They do. And,
0: um, the fully integrated understanding of all those pieces by one person is rare, but having empathy and really you can be an expert over here and have good understanding for some other team members. I mean, even right. that I mean, the language we would use, the vocabulary we would use, I mean, the, the way you would communicate would all be pretty good. And there's still a lot of dysfunctional communication between people and we don't need, oh, to, yeah. we just need to be bad to each other. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, and you almost kind of do it with the whole, the Simon Sinek, right? Start with the why. So yeah. every time you you get over, you, 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 you cross pollinate the teams. Yeah. I forget the fact we're on, we're on, on, on a podcast and I see my hands, but as, as a leader from one team goes over to the other team and, and vice versa. And then you go in there with that hat in hand and just say, Hey, so why, why do you do this and not that? Why this, why, you know, and, and they start learning and then they say, well, are you aware that, if you do this, then these other dominoes will fall. And then it's like light bulbs will go off, right? And they will, then you start looking at, you know, because OT is a world of compensating controls. If ever there is a place, right? So, and so if if you know your environment from an OT perspective, but you may not necessarily know all the different security controls out there, what better way to find out is if you're sitting on a security team saying, well, we could do it this way and we do this way, and we can do this way. Oh, so that that's great. You know, I like the term, like the virtual patching. That's that's one of my favorite favorite terms, right? Because we've been doing it for years. It's just, it's just been rebranded now, right? <laughs> so, but it's it's the idea that you can do something different just by talking to, talking to people. We can't just, uh, so I guess that'd be the last thing. I, I mean, I, I know I ramble a little bit. Let me get, the last thing I tell you is get up, up from behind your desk, go walk over to the other team, ask for help, and then lean in. How about that?
0: I think you've had some great nuggets uh, <laughs> today from your story and experiences and perspectives, and and uh, you know just wrapping up with Willie Nelson, the field CISO of operational technology for Fortinet. Really appreciate that. I, I have to ask you, you know, I've have, I've have sort of one thing to end with, uh, still coming. But I, has anybody asked you when you switched from country music to cybersecurity?
1: <laughs> a yeah, no one's asked that particular one, but you know what I I do like. Uh, you know, I like the creativity because quite often you get, you know, oh, on the road again, right? It's like, that's ah, one of his worst songs. Be, you know, you get to be more creative than that. But you have, to have, you have to have a sense of humor. If you don't have a sense of humor, change the name. Uh, as you know, so you're in the Navy. So my real name is William. The na- the, uh, the military gives you five letters for your first name. Drop the AM, you get Willie. I was in a cohort unit again. Everybody's together. It's stuck. And it's been like that ever since.
0: Ever since. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Well, if you're ready, um, I always like to end uh, my podcast uh, with sort of a, uh, a tip of the hat to a show that I really enjoyed called Inside the Actors Studio. That um, ran, I, It may still run, but I, I haven't watched it recently, but it ran for many decades with James Lipton as the host. And he passed, not not too far past. Um, he always and, and, you know, asked these same 10 questions it's called the Pavot questionnaire. He borrowed it from a French show before that. So I think this has been around for a long time. And so I asked the same exact 10 questions that he asked all the famous actors and actresses on his stage. Um, So if you're up for it, I'll ask you the same, uh, the Pavot questionnaire.
1: Sure. (laughs) Well, let's give it a shot.
0: What is your favorite word?
1: Pontificate.
0: What is your least favorite word? Expert. What turns you on, either creatively, spiritually, or emotionally?
1: Solving problems. What turns you off? I like uh, what turns me off. Probably not being able to solve the problems, right? Uh, yeah, just I guess yeah, I'm I'm pretty zero and one from that perspective.
0: What is your favorite curse word? Dumbass. What sounds? Which when I had kids, I had
1: we had to change it to Doomba. We took the ASs off so my kids wouldn't know what they were when they were little.
0: Oh, like William and Willie, Doomba, Okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. the word all Whole new word. Um, what sound or noise do you love? I like. No, it's
1: weird, but I love like the sound of splitting wood.
0: What sound or noise do you hate?
1: Uh, <laughs> the alarm clock.
0: What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Fabricating. What Whether. profession mm-hmm. would you could? What profession would you not like to do? Oh, uh, plumbing. <laughs> and if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the early gates?
1: He was fair, honest, and hardworking.
0: Thank you, Willie. Thank you for all your uh, efforts in the industry. We all benefit from that and from coming on the show and being a supporter of CSA. Thank you and be well. Uh, I look forward to our next uh, next time together. Thanks, Derek. I appreciate it. All right. Cheers, here. bye